So we'll start reading at uh, verse 30 of chapter 19. And as we read, we remember this is God's word. When Lot went up out of Zoar and dwelt in the mountains, and his two daughters were with him, for he was afraid to dwell in Zoar. And he and his two daughters dwelt in a cave. Now the firstborn said to the younger, Our father is old, and there is no man on the earth to come into us, as is the custom of all the earth. Come, let us make our father drink wine, and we will lie with him, that we may preserve the lineage of our father. So they made their father drink wine that night, and the firstborn went in and lay with her father, and he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. It happened on the next day that the firstborn said to the younger, Indeed, I lay with my father last night. Let us make him drink wine tonight also, and you go in and lie with him, that we may preserve the lineage of our father. Then they made their father drink wine that night also, and the younger arose and lay with him, and he did not know when she lay down or when she arose. Thus both daughters of Lot were with child by their father, the firstborn bore a son and called his name Moab. He is the father of the Moabites to this day. And the younger, she also bore a son and called his name Ben-Ami. He is the father of the people, people of Ammon to this day. And Abraham journeyed from there to the south and dwelt between Kadesh and Shur and stayed in Gerar. Now Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Indeed, you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken, for she is a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near her, and he said, Lord, will you slay a righteous nation also? Did he not say to me, She is my sister? And she, even she herself, said, He is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and innocence of my hands, I have done this. And God said to him in a dream, Yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart, for I also withheld you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now, therefore, restore the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you, and you shall live. But if you do not restore her, know that you shall surely die. You and all who are yours. So Abimelech rose early in the morning, called his servants, and told all these things in their hearing. And the men were much afraid. And Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, What have you done to us? How have I offended you, that you have brought on me and on my kingdom a great sin? You have done deeds to me that, I, that ought not to be done. Then Abimelech said to Abraham, What did you have in view that you have done this thing? And Abraham said, Because I thought, surely the fear of God is not in this place, and they will kill me on account of my wife. But indeed, she is truly my sister. She is the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. And it came to pass, when God caused me to wander from my father's house, that I said to her, This is your kindness, that you should do for me in every place, wherever we go. Say of me, he is my brother. Then... Abimelech took sheep, oxen, and male and female servants, and gave them to Abraham, 
and he restored Sarah, his wife, to him. And Abimelech said, See, my land is before you. Dwell where it pleases you. Then Sarah said, To Sarah he said, Behold, I have given you, your brothers, a thousand pieces of silver. Indeed, this vindicates you before all who are with you and before everybody. Thus she was rebuked. So Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife, and his female servants. Then they bore children, for the Lord had closed up all the wombs of the house of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Amen. We'll end our reading there. We thank God for the blessing of his truth. Well, last week in our series, folks, we saw the destruction of two cities and many more places besides uh, in the plain. Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed because they were great in their wickedness. Their sin was so grievous and offended God that he destroyed them. And it's a difficult passage to hear because we don't often want to hear about the judgment of God against sin. We don't like to hear about people being destroyed by burning sulfur raining down from the Lord out of the heavens. That was a difficult passage we heard last week. I think this week's is just as difficult, but perhaps for different reasons. I want us to look at two stories today, and I want us to see something of the big picture that's going on in these chapters of Genesis. Because I think there's a connection being made. That there's a connection between the tale of Sodom and Gomorrah, and the tale of Lot and his daughters, and then the tale of Abraham and Abimelech. And the thing that connects all three stories together is sin. That's what connects all the stories together. There's sin in all three of these stories. And so these passages, these chapters of Genesis are showing us that sin is not just something that non-Christians do. It's not just something that the world does. Lot and his daughters fall into sin. Abraham falls into sin. You and I, well, we fall into sin, don't we? God's people sin too. We have to remember that. It can be very easy to, to sit here in the church and think that the sin is out there. The sin is in the world, in, in Sodom and in Gomorrah. But we have to remember that there is sin in here. There is sin in this very room because there's sin in each one of us. There is sin in our hearts. I think I might have shared this quote before. A, a Russian novelist and philosophical thinker, Alexander Solzhenitsyn, once wrote this. He said, if only there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds and it were necessary only to separate them from the rest of us, and destroy them. Wouldn't that be good if we could just round up all the evil people and send them off to an island somewhere? If only we could just get rid of all the evil people, destroy them altogether. Solzhenitsyn goes on to say, but the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. We all have evil in us. So we can't round up all the evil people because we're all evil. 
The difference that Lot and his daughters had with the rest of Sodom was not that the Sodomites were sinful and Lot was not sinful. Likewise with Abraham, the the difference that Abraham had with those living in the plain, those whom God destroyed because of their sin, wasn't that Abraham had no sin. The line dividing good and evil cut through the heart of Lot. It cut through the heart of Abraham and it cuts through our hearts. The difference is not lack of sin. The difference is Jesus Christ. So today I want us to look at both of these stories in the life of Abraham and his family. The story of Lot and his daughters and the story of Abraham and Abimelech. And with each one, we're going to see those two things. We're going to see the sinfulness of God's people. And we're going to see the difference made by Christ. I think it might be helpful for us to have an understanding of how fear, fear can be a thing which draws sin out of people. It it brings the sin to the surface, if you like. That's certainly the case with both Abraham and Lot in these stories. Do you see what happens with Lot in verse 30 of chapter 19? He he ends up isolated in the mountains. And the reason is he was afraid to dwell in Zoar. He takes his daughters, he travels up to the hills, and they end up living in a cave. Think about how far Lot has come. That slippery slope. The Lot who chose the bright lights of the cities in chapter 13, he's now isolated and afraid. And what happens will we see uh, Lot and his daughters fall into a deplorable and wicked series of sins. I think we have to say something here about how we as, as God's people, how do we steer clear of Lot's example in how we raise our children? We noted uh, back in chapter 13 that whenever Lot separated from Abraham and Sarah, he was really taking him and his family away from the church. He took them into the world. And now look what's happened there is so much of the world in his daughters. Notice how in verse 31 they're desperate to follow the customs of the world, as is the custom over all the earth. They don't care how sinful they might need to be. They're desperate to be like the world. And and so they're willing to commit such a horrible act as getting their father drunk and having sex with him. They do understand just how wrong their plan was. They know exactly what they're doing. They understand it to be wrong because they know that they have to get him drunk before they try it. But let's focus on the nature of their sin. Their sin wasn't about sexual gratification. That's important to say. It wasn't mimicking the the promiscuity which they saw in Sodom. If that were the case, then it would have been an event which repeated again and again and again. But the daughters themselves tell us why they did what they did. It was to get children. It was to preserve the family line. And what do they say about that? They say, to preserve the family line, as is the custom of all the earth. They want to have babies because that's what everybody else does. This is as much about fitting in for them 
It's about being like the world around them. Everyone else has babies, so we need to have babies. Let me ask us today, how are we raising our children? Boys, girls, young people here today, how are you living your lives? Is it so that you can be like the rest of the world? Are we teaching the truth of the Christian faith in, in our homes? I hope we're hearing it here in worship and Sunday school and Good News Club and JYC. There's so many informal ways that we can raise our children in the Christian faith. And then our children, our young people, well, they have to embrace it, don't they? It's a tough world out there. And it's going to be so easy for our young people to mimic the world. To just be like the world. That, that's what Lot's daughters wanted. They wanted to be like everyone else. Can I say in the church, we shouldn't be like everyone else. I hope, I hope that our children are being prepared for that. We're not to be like the world. Instead, we should be like Jesus. We should be like Christ. That's what we should be aspiring to in our lives. That's what we should be teaching our children. The world is a very different place from whenever I was growing up. Moved so quickly, expectations have changed. But those expectations may have changed in form, but they're still there. There is still an expectation to be like the world. Boys and girls, I want you to know that you should be different from the world. Young people. I want you to know that you should be different from the world. I honestly believe that as bad as things have got, they are going to get worse. Christian values do not inform society at all any longer. That means that our children need to be well prepared, even better prepared than we were to face the world. Are we teaching them how to understand their faith? So they'll be able to stand up and stand apart from the world. Not one of us, not one of us expects anything on the level of Lot's daughters to happen with our children. Of course not. But as we heard last week, the frog doesn't know it's in the pot if the water is heated gently. The world is a sinful place and we cannot protect our children from it. We can't protect them. Because let's not forget that sin is in here too. And so we can't protect them, but what can we do? We can prepare them. We can prepare our children and we must prepare them. Young people, if you are struggling with these questions, you need to talk about this. If you, if you need some help to, to think about what the Bible teaches about the things that you're facing in your life, then please, please come and talk to me. That's what I'm here for. That's what you pay me for. Look what happens whenever sin just gets a chink. Just gets a tiny opening. It's a spiral. The fear of Lot moves his family to the mountains and then sexual immorality, drunkenness, to the point where Lot can't even remember he can't even remember what happened 
in the morning. He did not know when she lay down or when she arose. For Lot, it was fear. That's what opened the door and let the sin out. God's people sin too. There's sinfulness in God's people. But Lot wasn't destroyed. Lot's daughters weren't destroyed like the Sodomites. They were kept alive. So what's the difference? What's the difference between them and those living in the cities of the plain? It's not their behaviour. We can tell that by this story. It's not their behaviour. The difference is Jesus Christ. Christ makes the difference. We're told here that these two daughters had sons. One was named Ben-Ami. He is the father of the people of Ammon. And the other is named Moab. He's the father of the Moabites. And those two groups of people, well, they were well known to the audience that Moses is writing Genesis for. They were at different times enemies and allies of the Israelites. And in fact, Ruth, the grandmother of King David, and therefore in the family line of Jesus Christ, Ruth is a Moabites. Even with the sin of Lot and his daughters, God works to make a difference through Christ. Even this sinful behaviour is used by God to bring about the birth of Jesus. Jesus who would go to the cross to die for that very sin. Christ makes all the difference. God's people sin too, but Jesus makes all the difference. We see the same thing with Abraham. And with Abraham, again, it's fear that opens the door. Verses 10 and 11 of, of chapter 20. Abimelech said to Abraham, what did you have in view that you have done this thing? And Abraham said, because I thought, surely the fear of God is not in this place. And they will kill me on account of my wife. Now Moses is playing with words here. It's kind of a pun. Abraham justifies his sin by saying there's no fear of God in Abimelech. But, of course, Abimelech is the one who shows fear of God. It's Abraham who shows no fear of God. Abraham is afraid of people. And he acts selfishly in order to save his own skin. Now, maybe you're thinking, this is deja vu all over again. You think, I've heard this story before. Well, you have. Abraham committed the same selfish sin with Pharaoh in chapter 12 of Genesis. And he hasn't learned his lesson. There are some commentators who would have us believe that this is a retelling of the same story. But their logic is flawed because what they say is that no one could fall into the same sin twice. Well, if they believe that, then they haven't met me. And I'm guessing they haven't met you either. Don't we all know the shame of falling into the same sin time and time again? Each one of us knows our own weaknesses. We know the soft spots to temptation in our lives. And so all the more reason to guard against those habitual patterns of sin. But for Abraham, this wasn't only a habitual sin. In this instance, Abraham tells us uh, that this was the plan from the beginning. Instead of standing up for his wife and their marriage, Abraham always planned to lie. And say she was his sister. You see that in verse 13. 
Abraham says, when God caused me to wander, <coughs> excuse me, when God caused me to wander from my father's house, I said to her, to Sarah, this is your kindness that you should do for me in every place. Wherever we go, save me, he is my brother. It doesn't seem to me like Abraham is showing his kindness to Sarah. But do notice that there's a, there's a subtlety in Abraham's language and he's trying to shift the blame onto God. You see what he says? When God caused me to wander. There's a shadow of Adam in that statement. Remember what Adam said after he sinned? This woman you put here. It's not what Adam said to God. He blames God. Just like Adam, Abraham tries to shift the blame. Then he tries to justify his lie in verse 12. He says, indeed, she is truly my sister. She is the daughter of my father, but not the daughter of my mother. And she became my wife. Now, this is a little bit like whenever you ask your children, have you brushed your teeth? And they reply, I have. And then under their breath, they say, yesterday. Abraham knows it's a lie. He's trying to be clever to get out of it. There's no hiding the sin. God's people are sinful too. Even Abraham. And this sin of lying about his relationship to Sarah can't be hidden from God. God reveals it to Abimelech in a dream. And even goes so far as to close all of the wombs in Abimelech's household. Until Abraham comes clean and prays to God on Abimelech's behalf. And so again, what do we see? We see fear. We see fear opening the door and letting sin out. Abraham feared for his own life. He's just like Lot. Fear exposed what was on the inside. God's people sinned too. And yet Abraham wasn't destroyed. Abraham wasn't destroyed like the Sodomites. He was a sinner. But for Abraham, Christ makes all the difference. It may seem on the face of things that Abraham's sin is less deplorable than that of Lot's daughters. What's a half lie compared to incest? On one level, that's correct. But in another way, Abraham's sin is much, much worse because Abraham's sin jeopardized God's plan of salvation. Just like it did whenever he told the same lie with Pharaoh. Remember that, that God has promised that he would return and that Sarah would have a son. So now, verse chapter 20, a few months have passed and Sarah may already be pregnant. Carrying in her womb the hope of the whole world. The, the baby, the, the family line through which all nations would be blessed. And what does Abraham do? He tells people that she's his sister. In order to protect himself. What a selfish man. Because of Abraham's lie, Sarah goes into Abimelech's harem. Abraham does nothing to protect his wife or the baby she might be carrying. Imagine for a second that Abimelech did have sex with Sarah and then it turned out she was pregnant. Just think about what people are going to say. Her and Abraham have been married forever and they were never able to have children. But off she goes to Abimelech's harem and suddenly she's carrying a child. Who do you think the father is? 
here we see that while Abraham in his sinfulness does nothing to protect his wife or the baby that she is carrying, God protects Sarah. And God protects her because of the baby she's carrying. This baby would be the first in a long line leading to the saviour of the world, Jesus Christ. And so in God's providence, in his perfect will, we see what the Bible says there in verse 4, Abimelech had not come near her. Praise God. Christ makes all the difference. God protects his salvation plan so that Jesus Christ can come through the line of Isaac and Jacob and save his people from their sins. Because God's people sin too. We need a saviour. Christ makes all the difference. Why were Lot and his daughters not destroyed by burning sulphur raining down from the Lord out of the heavens? Why wasn't Abraham? Well, it's because Jesus had the wrath of God poured upon him. As Jesus hung on the cross, he took the punishment for their sin. So Jesus gifted Abraham and Lot with his righteousness. Abraham and Lot deserve to die. They too were sinful, just like the Sodomites, but Christ makes the difference. Friends, isn't it true to say that we too are sinful? Whenever we examine our own hearts, I know the depth of the sin that lies in there. Whenever we look to God and see his holiness, you and I deserve sulfur poured out on us. That's what we deserve. We deserve it every bit as much as those living in Sodom. But what grace, what mercy God shows us that when you believe in Jesus, when you put your hope and your trust in him, your sin has already been punished. And Christ gives his righteousness to you. I beg of you, please put all of your hope and your trust in him today. Christ makes all the difference. God's people sin too. But Jesus Christ makes all the difference. Let's pray together.